Welcome to Max Volume, where we deliver loud takes to the decibels. I am your host, Maxwell Lewis Sanders, and this is episode 80. For those new listeners out there, Max Volume is a podcast that worships at the altar of pop culture, a place where the silly and inane are of the utmost importance. It's a pod where we discuss heavy topics like Walter White's haberdashery choices, the calming sounds of David Attenborough, and the moment in the 1990s when Polly Shore was king. I swear to God, it actually happened. I was there. No quote to minor, no side plot too small. This is a pod for the TV geeks and movie freaks. So welcome all weary travelers. Your boredom ends here. Before we delve into the topic at hand, let's start with five minutes of Seinfeld-level daily observation. I came to the realization yesterday that these musings about my day-to-day life have morphed into just tiny movie reviews before I get to the main topic. And I didn't even realize it. It was just my dad brought it up. He's like, it's kind of confusing. You start reviewing a movie and I get psyched and then you pull the rug out and you do the main topic. So yeah, it's confusing. And it kind of shows my lack of moderation because when I get on a cinema binge, there's just no stopping me. And my life's been just watching movies lately. Like I'm currently rapid fired watching every 80s movie I can get my grubby little hands on because I'm doing an 80s film podcast. I think I mentioned before that I'm working on with a buddy of mine. So it's taking over my life kind of a tad. Like I wake up and bam, I'm watching Cocktail on my iPad, which I finished today. And craziest last 30 minutes for like a feel good, silly movie that turns kind of dark and heavy at the end. Kind of crazy. Anyways, I like if I'm cooking dinner, like pow, I'm glued to Mr. Mom. Love early Michael Keaton. Starting to see why he was, he ruled the 80s. Makes sense. That movie could have been filmed like last year and it's still relevant. Just great stuff. So forgive, I mean, like, again, I'm starting to review movies as I'm telling you that I shouldn't be reviewing movies. So I have a problem. I love movies. And you should too, if you're listening to this, you should be obsessed. So you should be happy. Like every time I hear a podcast and someone mentions a movie that's not part of the topic at hand, I get like a little goosebump chill if I relate to them or know that movie. I'm like, I know that too. Does that mean I'm like an expert in this? It's like, I hope so. So that's what I'm going for. Or I mean, that's just where my brain goes. But again, forgive me, because I like I have blinders on right now. So I'm gonna try I'm gonna try giving reality one more shot. Like more like what's the deal with kind of stuff. So let me think. I got nothing. <laughs> really, I got nothing. I just I kinda wanna just sing Chevy Chase's piano scene from Caddyshack, which I just saw for the first time two days ago. Oh my god. Chevy Chase is so funny and so handsome back in the day. Like what happened to him? Poor guy. But uh and also Bill Murray, young classic Bill Murray. Fantastic. Like, see, I'm on I'm on track with uh, talking about movies again. No, wait, no, wait, wait, wait. I got something. So I'm thoroughly enjoying taking social distance mass walks with a few friends, like a couple times a week. Today, I went with my friend Amici. What up, Amici? And it's just, I mean, we have like a weekly walk, me and him, and we just, we get into movies too. So maybe that's why my brain's like that right now. So it's your fault, Amici. All right. No, I'm just kidding. I love you. I love saying his name too, Amici. Good name, right? But the walks themselves are rejuvenating and it forces you to converse rather than stare mindlessly at a screen. So I'm grateful for kind of just having that nice break from all these movie watching, all this movie watching. Although, does anyone else get winded walking casually when you're talking consistently? It's like my brain can't multitask when I get to the crux of a story because I'm already sucking wind and I lose like kind of the necessary lung capacity to finish my thought. And I don't know, maybe it's, I don't think it's the mask, but because I didn't have long walks with friends before this. I think it's just like walking and chewing bubble gum. It's just two things at the same time and my brain like malfunctions. <laughs> and I thought I'd get better at it as, you know, I'd done it a lot. I've probably been on 
don't know, 50, 60 walks since all of this has started. And, but I think I'm getting worse at it actually. And maybe I'm neurotic because I haven't heard complaints from my like walking companions. They're not like you're talking too softly or what or anything like that. So maybe it's all just in my head because I don't think I'm crazy because I'm not one of those, I lose my mind if I don't interact with people, extroverts. Like, I'm pretty darn content puttering around my house, watching movies, playing with my dogs, listening to podcasts. Like, that's fine by me. I just, like, I need, like, an hour of socialization per day, which kind of, like, recharges my extrovert batteries, and then I need to charge again until I see a, a person the next day. That's, that's like, an hour is good. Like, I'm not Tom Hanks and Castaway. Like, I'm not, like, losing my mind by myself. I'm more kind of Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone. Like, it feels like this has been, like, a six-month vacation with kind of an, with an infectious disease uh, looming around us. So, slightly different, I guess. But unless you want to metaphorically compare COVID to the clumsy burglars in the movie, it's Joe Pesci and that other guy. I can't remember the other guy's name, but I know it's Joe Pesci. But it works. Good comparison. I'm going to allow it. Because I'm the, I'm the judge, jury, and executioner on this thing. It's kind of nice. No one else is here. It's just me. So I can I can decide anything. Like, let me think. Clouds are made of cotton candy. Who would that be fun? Although I get diabetes probably pretty quickly. Although I wouldn't be eating clouds because you can't get up to the clouds. Maybe if the clouds were like eye level and I, you know, could eat them, then I would have diabetes and I'd have problems. But but that's not happening. <laughs> they're in the, They're in the sky. They're a million miles away. Or however far they are. I don't know how far they are. What am I what am I even talking about? Okay. Well, there's five minutes of daily observations that are somewhat realistic outside of cotton candy clouds, but didn't really review a movie, so suck it. I did it. But not really, I guess, because I did mention like five movies in the process, but none of them were the focus of my thoughts. So I consider that progress. Life is kind of about small incremental change. So this is a positive step in the right direction, I guess. <laughs> I feel weird today. I feel ranty. I think it's the walk's got like my like serotonin juices flowing. I feel good. But speaking of positivity, have I got a doozy of a feel-good topic today? I have the diamond in the rough that is Apple Plus's only good show. Okay. The rest of it is a dumpster fire of mediocrity and just bad programming. Like that newscaster show with Steve Carell, bleh. There was a Chris Evans murder show, eh. There was a there's Mythic Quest, which is a video game show starring Mac from Always Sunny. Should have been good, not good. So the one show that is you know makes Apple Plus worth having is the Fairy Dust Coated, life affirming gift from the sitcom gods, ladies and gentle boys. It's Ted Lasso. Now, be warned, the plot is eye-rollingly like 80s sitcom-level corny. It's actually based on a character Jason Sudeikis did for an English Premier League commercial a couple years back, I think, for ESPN. It's about a D2, Division II, college football coach. I think he coaches Wichita State, who wins the championship there, and he heads to the United Kingdom to manage a struggling Premier League soccer team, even though he has no experience or knowledge of soccer. I know, I know, I know. It's eye rolls times a billion on the actual premise. Like, I don't know how the elevator pitched this. It's like, remember that kind of amusing soccer commercial from two years ago? Yeah, we can make that a movie or a TV show. It's like, all right. (laughs) But like all things in life, it's more about execution than the premise. And they created a show on the level, I kid you not, of like The Office, The Good Place, Parks and Rec. In terms of lovable characters, you're kind of compulsively out of your mind rooting for. And it makes sense. I looked at who created the show. It's Bill Lawrence. 
Now, he's the man who's responsible for Sin City. Great mid-90s sitcom show about Michael J. Fox being kind of the guy in charge of running the mayor's office. The mayor's kind of a buffoon. Really fun. It was on for like five or six seasons, too, or even more. The criminally underrated Clone High. I don't know if anyone else has seen Clone High. This is like back in 2000 or so. It was a cartoon show about cloned historical figures who were in high school, like Abraham Lincoln, Gandhi, uh, Joan of Arc, Genghis Khan. It was one of my favorite shows. Like Gandhi was like the sex craze nerd who was like trying to make it in a popular scheme. And Joan of Arc's all like moody and goth. It's so funny. Will Forte does a voice for it. I think at the end of one episode, there was a, it was Will Forte's voice like on the next Clone High. And like halfway through, he's like, you're not listening, are you? And then he goes, if you don't watch this next episode, I'm going to kill this dog. And there's just a picture of a pug. Like just really weird humor like that. And he also created Scrubs, which is one of the best feel-good kind of heartfelt moments sprinkled around silly quick cuts shows of all time. I love Zach Braff. Zach Braff gets not enough love. And I don't know what happened to him because, I mean, Garden State and Scrubs are like all-time show and movie kind of creations. And he's just this lovable, goofy guy who, you know, fantasizes about things. Like, I just love... There was one episode where he fantasized about vampires and then he just says out loud, he's like, vampires like it windy. And you're like, you know what? Vampires do like it windy. That's a great, <laughs> that's a great sentiment. And he just drank sentiment or sen- cement, sentiment. There we go. And he drinks apple teenies unashamedly. He has this whole bit about a floating head doctor where it's just a head that without a body, that's going to be a doctor. Really funny. Love Zach Braff. Love that show. John C. McGinley too is Dr. Cox, all time character. But it was like a show that hit you in the feels once in a while. Like there's this one episode where Dr. Cox killed three patients and he like loses his mind and they're playing the phrase, how to save a life. I could watch that, that like five minute clip all day, every day. It just gets me every time, but mostly fun, feel good stuff. And that is exactly what Ted Lasso delivers. Oh, also Bill Lawrence. He wrote an episode, I think of Boy Meets World. So I just got to give Corey Matthews a little bit of love and Eric Matthews, early Eric Matthews. He gets crazy by the end of the seasons, but it's fun, but it's like Kevin Malone, like his brain deteriorated. And I don't know why they do that in shows when they make characters just progressively stupider. <laughs> Maybe, I mean, I'll do a podcast on that someday. I always want to do like top five characters that got stupider as the show went on. I think so. It's Kevin Malone. It's uh, God. Who's the chick from community? Britta, Britta and a few others. But anyways, Ted Lasso. Classic fish out of water vibes, but in the scenario, the fish is the most optimistic, pun heavy, mustache bottle of enthusiasm you've ever seen on screen. Like nothing bothers this guy, nothing. Like he takes his lumps from the media, fans, and his reluctant team and keeps on pushing forward. And his infectiously unstoppable confidence in trying to make the best of things begrudgingly rubs off on everyone around him. I just love that. You know what I mean? Like the world's not going to get him down. The world's going to change because he's such a positive influence that he's going to impact everyone in a positive way. Like mm, just warm fuzzies right, right in your heart. Like you're rooting for Ted harder and harder each episode too. Like he grows on you more and more because in a world where it's easy to be negative or point fingers or give up when things seem insurmountable, like Ted does the impossible. He tries like I'm from the nineties and I mean, that's when I grew up. <laughs> I mean, I was born in the eighties, but I, like I grew up age 10 to 20 in the nineties and it's like, I was a most, my so-called life, a Daria, you know, a not caring is cool, whatever kind of vibe. 
And that's just not a fun way to be. I mean, it, it's easy and it's fun to make fun of people who try, but actually trying and experiencing things and like, you know, taking your lumps and being curious about other people, that's, that's how you connect. And that's how you got to get to a higher level of just feeling good about yourself on a day-to-day life. And just Ted Lasso is kind of the patron saint of that. Because he tries new and uncomfortable experiences without complaint or a moment's hesitation. I just love it. Like he has dad jokes or sayings for everything. For example, he proudly spouts. This is one of his like Tedisms, basically. I'll try to do it in his voice, too. He's got kind of a Kansas City Midwestern twang. So taking on a challenge is a lot like riding a horse. If you're comfortable doing it, you're probably doing it wrong. So how's that? That's pretty good, actually. Or when he and his trusted assistant, Coach Beard, are about to fall asleep on the plane to England, he kind of excitedly exclaims, he's like, if we see each other in our our dreams, let's goof around and pretend we don't know each other. And so it's just like that refreshing childlike wonderment while he's being skewered by his new surroundings. It's just refreshing. He's just, the world's not going to bring him down. He's going to bring the world up. So now most shows will make Ted the butt of the joke, but the magic of the show is that Ted Lasso actually converts those around him. Like, there, there's the angry old captain of the team that actually reads A Wrinkle in Time when Lasso recommends it to him. And he begrudgingly does it, but, like, when he finally reads it out loud and he, like, sees the point of him, he's like, fuck me. He's like, he's right. <laughs> and his, he has a hateful boss who's a divorcee who got the team in kind of a divorce settlement because the husband was cheating a bunch. And she's kind of broken by the divorce and super sad and self-conscious about how he feels or how she can make her husband feel like hurt like she hurt. So that's why she hired Ted Lasso to like make the team so bad that they'll get kicked out or relegated from the Premier League into the Championship League, which actually it's kind of cool. I like how soccer does that, that they relegate teams like, yeah, you're not good enough. Like the Cincinnati Bengals, get out of here. Go down there. That Miami Dolphins, you're done. You know, that kind of stuff. And like come back when you're good. And But eventually she turns around and she wants to have Ted succeed. And Ted helps her grow too and move on from the divorce. Like, not sexually. They're not, like, dating or anything. Just spiritually, she kind of, he brings her to a better place. Like, Ted brings this energy and good-hearted joy to the screen in every single scene. Like, usually, sports shows are life and death about the wins and losses. Like, Friday Night Lights, you know, every Texas Friday football game is, you know, make or break. And, you know, will my future happen? Or will this girl date me? And it's just, you know, super important life-impacting stuff or, like, any given Sunday, you know, life and death gladiators on the field. But Ted Lasso's more kind of content growing emotionally with his team and his coworkers. And he doesn't give a gosh darn hoot. That's right, I said that. That's kind of something Ted would say. Gosh darn hoot about the final score in the end. Which is so rare and refreshing because doing a Leave it to Beaver style Joys of Americana kind of show is freaking difficult. Like, it's so much easier to be crass and jaded and negative and the show resists the temptation at every turn. Although they swear a little bit, but like not in like a mean way, just in a way that normal people would swear. And like, but the emotional results in viewing the show are astounding. Like if you watch this, you're gonna cry both positively and negatively at least once an episode as Ted climbs the arduous terrain of premier soccer scrutiny. He's always curious, he's always learning. He cares as much about the lily groundskeeper, Nate, who's really funny too. He's just like kind of, self-deprecating and hates himself and Ted has to like pump him up basically but he also loves him just as much as his arrogant star player Jamie Tart who I think is a good kind of they're using him to show like how celebrity and fame can kind of warp people 
And it's nice to be reminded, especially in 2020, that kindness and genuine positivity can affect surroundings. Like you can, you can make a change. Like, oh, okay, cool. Like there's, like I said, there's very little soccer on screen, which is nice because I hate soccer. I just find the sport kind of be, it's dull. It's just kind of like, there's no hands. It's yawn fest. I mean, I was even in Italy when they won the World Cup in 2006. And, you know, it's fun partying and rioting and, you know, uh, celebrating with a bunch of crazy Italians. But soccer itself wasn't very interesting. I didn't even really know what was happening. But soccer is just a setting to unleash Lasso. So it's just, it's the background for this hilariously heartfelt premise. But Ted isn't without his warts, too. Like, he sounds perfect right now, but he has a pending divorce at home, which is ludicrous, by the way. The, that's the one, I mean, this show has well-thought-out characters, but this this possible divorce thing, like, his wife's problem with him is that he's unrelentingly positive. Like, what is wrong with her? Like, you have the perfect man. I would date Ted if I could, and if I was gay, that'd be, you know, I just love the mustache and all. But I just don't, he's too kind and upbeat for you? Like, what is that? what is that about? Like, how can you, I guess you want someone sad and kind of, you know, kind of just uh, like lumbering around life. And like now you're making Ted go through emotional feelings. Like screw you, Mrs. Lasso. And you're, you know, high horse. Like you're being unfair to Ted and I won't have it. And they have a kid together and he loves the kid too. And he's like, he wants the relationship with his wife to work, but clearly it's not working on her end. And it's like, you don't understand why. And it's very frustrating. It's the one frustrating thing about the show, but maybe I'm supposed to be frustrated. And I guess the show wouldn't exist without Miss Lasso and her poor life choices because he wouldn't have gone to England to give her space unless the, he, they were having issues. Actually, no, like, even if they didn't have issues, I would have watched a show with Ted Lasso as a Division II championship football coach at Wichita State just as intently. And hopefully he goes to, like, a D1 school like Miami and turns it all around. And then he works under Bill Belichick and eventually takes over the Patriots and then, you know, becomes a Hall of Fame coach and – I would see Ted Lasso as like a GM or an owner of a team later. Yeah, I would watch the whole, I could watch 50 years of Ted Lasso. So I still take it back to my original point. I take offense with Mrs. Lasso's point on wanting to divorce Ted. Like, screw you, Ms. Lasso. I don't even know her first name because I don't want to know her first name. I'm annoyed by her. So sorry, <laughs> this topic gets me worked up. Uh, but it just shows you how wonderful Ted Lasso is as a character. Like, I want to defend him at every cost, I want to protect him from the world. Like, he even, like, he bakes fresh biscuits for his boss every day because it's a nice thing to do. And even once when he's upset with her, he's like, you know, I'm not going to give you them tomorrow. He goes, no, I just cracked the recipe. I have to give it to you. It's just so good now. It's like, that's how, like, polite and funny is. Like, he throws one of his players a surprise birthday party to make him feel welcome in a foreign country. That's a really cute scene. He gives his friends loving nicknames. I think the Diamond Dogs are the name of his friend group when he needs, like, relationship advice. And he never takes a bad day out on, on those around him. Also, the show feels very low stakes. Like, at worst, he'll get fired and find another American football job. No one's doing anything illegal or, you know, life or death kind of stuff. And I love caring about low-stakes situations. It's what makes us human, like making mountains out of cute little molehills. And Ted is just the cutest little mustachioed mole I've ever come across. Just love him. I love the low-stakes calming effect of this show. You can just put it on the background and just, like, let it play. Also, the rest of the cast is dynamite. The older, attractive D4C as the owner is played by Hannah Waddingham. And she's just pitch perfect. You've seen her as like a boss at, in a lot of rom-coms in like the late, in the late 2000s, early 2010s. Roy's the hard-ass older captain with a heart of gold. He's good for an out loud laugh every episode. He's kind of crass and just kind of 
very uh, small spurts of speaking. And he just looks like he just looks upset all the time. So it's funny when he kind of breaks character. And Lasso's beloved quiet genius assistant, Coach Beard, is so mysterious and strange. You want more scenes with him every episode. Like, you're not even sure if his real name's Coach Beard or he's just nicknaming him because he has a beard. Or he's like a chess savant who dates women a lot. But it's kind of like you get it in little 10-second slices and you're not sure who he is really. But the show itself is a feel-good parade in a world where things aren't sunshine and gundrops. So check it out. It's on Apple+. Plus. And the final episode for the season just dropped this week. And I promise you the show is beginning to end lovable, warm, fuzzy fun. Oh, and it's renewed for season two. So you already have that to look forward to. So trust me, in a world where, you know, a lot of people are just Debbie Downers, you want some lasso in your life. Later.